Rocky Mount. Um, so this past week was really exciting for me uh, and Pastor Mark. We actually got, had an opportunity to travel to Ocean City, Maryland this week. We had our East Focus Retreat for ministry leaders in the fellowship. And uh, it was a great opportunity. We had great weather. Um, we were able to go there and just to spend some time just relaxing and resting. Uh, but we also got to spend some time reconnecting with other ministry leaders in our fellowship. And it was just a great time to be uh, with them. I'm just so thankful for that opportunity to, to be able to do that. And uh, didn't realize really how much I needed that rest until I got there and spent those three quick days. It was a really short uh, trip, but I just had an opportunity to just kind of get re-energized, get my cup refilled a little bit. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about that this week as we were, you know, preparing. We really shouldn't wait for something like that, like a retreat, to, to have our cup refilled, to be rejuvenated in the joy of the Lord. Sometimes that, that's what it takes. Um, but we should renew ourselves in the joy of Christ daily. And so that's what I'm going to be challenging you with today. That's what I want to talk about today. As we walk through this mini-series, really the inspiration behind it was that refreshment that we received this week and trying to focus on joy and, and contentment and gratitude in our lives. And sometimes that's challenging. Sometimes that's really difficult. You know, as I was preparing for this morning, I've known that I was going to be preaching this morning probably for more than a month or so. But yet my brain was going all sorts of different places. I really had a hard time focusing on what to, to share with you guys this morning. And now, after this retreat, took a retreat to figure it out, I realized what I needed to share with you. Um, because God really wanted me this morning to sort of unburden my heart with some things that I was struggling with uh, really over the past year and a half. So... This morning, what I, I plan to do is take you uh, on, an, on a journey with me as I uh, experienced something over this past year and a half. You know, this, this journey that God took me on really started with a moment of joy. It started with an opportunity, something that was exciting for me and my family. But at the end of about a year to a year and a half, I really found myself in an area where I was almost like without joy. There was very little joy in my life. I was almost like in a pit of despair. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've experienced that in life. You know, life is challenging at times. There's a lot of things that we come in here with every Sunday morning that we're dealing with. I'm sure many of us are thinking about Israel right now and all of the chaos that's happening all around the world. You know, some of you have real challenges that you're dealing with physically on a weekly basis. Some of you have recent loss that's on your heart and it's a burden on your heart. Maybe, you know, that lack of joy is something that you're struggling with right now. And so as I prepared for this morning, my heart, my prayer all week was that if there was one person that came into this house of worship today that was feeling like I was feeling, and it could almost be described as without joy, very little joy in your life, that today that we get refreshed we get renewed in the joy of Jesus Christ. So that's my prayer for you this morning, is, is if anybody here is struggling with that, that we just get refilled, re-energized this morning. I want to share with you experience I had, and I'm going to put my heart out there, I'm going to put my feelings, my thoughts out there, and I hope you're okay with that, because that's all the only message I got this morning, so you're going to have to deal with it for a little bit. But about a year and a half ago, I had a really exciting opportunity, and... Um, 
very little people, very few people know about this except for my direct family and the leadership of the church. But about a year and a half ago, I had an opportunity to apply for uh, an interview for a lead position at another church in our district. And this was something that I was not actively pursuing. This was an opportunity that came up that was a great opportunity. Uh, I had a great relationship with this pastor that was retiring. Um, you know, it, was just, it seemed like a great fit. Uh, I met with them. My wife and I met with them, and we immediately bonded with the church leadership. They had a great congregation. They actually had a school on the campus. So I've, obviously that's one of my passions is children's ministry. It just seemed like a perfect fit, you know, and, and I didn't want to really disappoint this pastor that was retiring because I had a good relationship with him. I immediately bonded with the, the elders that were interviewing me. I thought, man, this is, this is just a, a great thing. We're, you know, we're, we're bonding with them. We asked the, the leadership of this church here to pray over this. I asked my family members that, that were close to us to, to pray over this, and after a few weeks of prayer, um, you know, even though everything seemed like a perfect fit for me and my family to relocate and to serve another church in this district, my wife and I knew after fervent prayer, after people in this church had been praying, leadership, family, that this was not where God was calling me to. And God was not calling me away from this church. We knew that without a doubt, without any question about it. In fact, the, the, the Psalm 46.10 kept playing through my mind. It was actually the same verse that came to my wife's heart. It was just said, be still and know that I am God. And even though that I knew that that was not what God had planned for, for me, honestly, from that moment on, I started to feel a little bit like Jonah. We just went through a series on Jonah. We know he kind of was struggling and wrestling around with God's decisions in his life. He didn't want to obey God, and that's kind of where I felt. I felt like even though I knew I wasn't supposed to go there, that I was questioning, why, God? Why would you not want me to go there? started to send some resentment towards God, some, even some anger, I would, I would call it, towards God, questioning his decisions. I started to question the importance and the value of my ministry within this church. I allowed myself to listen to a lot of lies from the enemy and because of this, because I didn't prepare myself better, because I didn't resolve this with God immediately, I allowed it to, this, this event to spew over into my family, into my ministry. I allowed it to snowball in frustrating things that took place over the next year. Uh, you know, it just, I dwelled on them. Things like things that are happening in Israel, things that are happening in our culture, um, the delay of the building project and how I view that as delaying children's ministry here at the church. Now, many of you know, and you've been praying over my dad with some health issues, some of those things, and just trying to find God's purpose in it and questioning God over it. And then just some of the normal busyness of being a dad, being a father, being a coach in our community. Um, you know, things that I would look, normally look at and I could see God's hand in it, I was really having a difficult time seeing it. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you, open my heart, just share with you some of my failures during that time. I want to kind of unburden my soul with you a little bit this morning. Hopefully, hopefully maybe some of this stuff you can relate to. And if you are finding yourself this morning in a similar 
situation, a similar place that, that this message this morning, my prayer has been that it just kind of helps lift you out of that. And the first thing I probably want to do is really just apologize to anybody over the last year and a half in this church family and anybody that's in the body of Christ that I've maybe approached and seemed like I was without joy because that's kind of where I was at. You know, if I seemed kind of short with people, if I, if I, you know, just the way I communicated with you wasn't joyful in any manner, that's, that's not what we're called to be. So I apologize as a leader of this church, as a family member, as a, as a member of the body of Christ. By definition, I looked this up, by definition, joy is gladness not based on circumstance. And I know that's true because of what James wrote in James 1, 2 to 3. He said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It absolutely does. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. God will teach you something through your trials, through your struggles, even if they're not physical, if they're mental, maybe they're all up here and the enemy is attacking you, God is going to teach you something through that. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture that you guys, I'm sure, have memorized, but we're going to start anyway and we're going to open up the Word to John 3.16. Because I had to go back this week and I had to get re-energized and I had to... You know, I had to think about what God did for me. Sometimes as we've been believers for a long time, we, we forget exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. I'm going to start in John 3, verse 16. I'm going to read to verse 18 with you this morning. This is Jesus' words speaking. He's, he's teaching Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a teacher of the Jewish law. He's a Pharisee. He's devoted his entire life to serving God. And Jesus in this passage is trying to teach Nicodemus what it means to be born again. He says this. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, if you're a parent, if you've ever raised a child, right there, that should be enough. I can't even fathom that. I can't fathom giving one of my daughters up for anyone. But God did this because he loved you and I so much. He gave his only son so that we should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. We were already condemned. We were already condemned to a life in eternity of hell. And God sent his Son to save us. And This is not new information to me, but I had to go to the shore, to Ocean City, at this retreat. I had the opportunity. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to do this, but just sit on the beach sit on a rock, and just sit around and observe God's beauty. Normally when I go to the beach, I go with my family, and I'm holding umbrellas and chairs, and I'm, 
you know, 40 minutes of that, and then I'm maybe sitting in a chair to read about two lines of a book, and then my daughters want to do something in the ocean, right? There's no relaxing part. You guys know that if you've raised children and you've taken them to the beach, it's not relaxing. But I had the opportunity to just sit there on this beautiful rock and sit out and just observe God's beauty. And it hit me so hard in that moment as I sat there and watched the ra- waves crashing, coming up to my feet, watching the sunset in the morning. We had uh, several uh, sunrise services that were just gorgeous. And it hit me, and, and the God of the universe that controls everything I'm looking at did this for me. He sent his son to die for me, for this person who was a miserable person, a miserable wretch, a miserable sinner, and he loved me, he loved you so much that he gave his son, the one who was without sin, to die for me, to become sin. And everything that I've done, all my failures, all my mistakes, all my shortcomings were nailed to that cross and covered, and I'm redeemed. This is not new information to me. I gave my heart to Christ a long time ago, but I had to go to this retreat in Ocean City to be rejuvenated in the joy of Christ, to see it new again. Things that had been on my heart Burdens, questions, struggles seemed meaningless to me in that moment, just observing God's beauty. I remember back, I thought back to the day when God's grace entered my life. It says in this passage, we were condemned. We were condemned until Jesus came into our hearts. He's trying to explain this in this passage to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a teacher to the Jews. He devoted his whole life to the Word of God. And yet he's standing face to face. I can't even imagine, fathom what that'd be like, standing face to face with Jesus. And he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it at all. How can a man be reborn? How can that happen? If there's ever times where you felt like, I just don't get this passage of Scripture, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Just remember Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a scholar. He studied, and he still didn't get it. Jesus explains to Nicodemus the way. There's only one way. By being reborn through the Spirit of God. Nothing else that we're going to talk about this morning matters if you haven't taken that step. Nothing matters. Nothing in my message is going to matter Nothing that we're going to talk about, no scripture we're going to read if you haven't taken that step. And if you look all around you, we don't have much time. We can't be thinking in our minds, we're going to do this tomorrow, we're going to do this next week or next month. We may not be there. If I'm honest with you this morning, I've tried to pursue joy in a lot of different avenues in my life. A lot of different avenues. Fast motorcycles, Vacation spots, Spartan races, people, places, entertainment, and nothing is, none of those things have brought me pure joy except for the cross. That's it. Joy that comes from the knowledge and understanding that God chose me. 
Romans 8, 29 to 30 should be on the screen here. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I want you to think about that image in Jewish culture. The firstborn among many brothers. The firstborn gets the inheritance. We get all of that inheritance. You and I, we get it all. Why? Not because of anything that you did. Not because of anything that you are. Only because he chose you. Says those he predestined. He knew you before he created you. He chose you to be a child of God. It was nothing that you did. He called you. He called you for a purpose. He called you for a ministry. Not to show up on Sundays and take attendance. He called you for a a design purpose. He justified you so you could become more and more like Christ. That is our job. To make more disciples. To be the image of Christ here on earth until he returns. Until we are glorified and in the presence of God. Jesus covered all my sin. He bore all the price for my sin. And I, and I can't even fathom that. I can't, I can't understand that. I don't think we'll ever understand that here on this earth. I know that I'm not worthy of it, but I accept it. I'm thankful for it. I'm grateful for it. Accept the truth that Jesus, the one, the only one who was without sin, became sin so I could live with righteousness. So I could live with joy like nobody else has experienced. No one that doesn't have Christ with him will ever experience. Joy is the freedom from the burden of sin. Nothing else matters this morning. Nothing else matters tomorrow or next week or next month. Nothing matters in election day or wartime or peacetime. This is the only thing that matters is accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus made a declaration that no other man in the history of mankind has said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? If you want to choose joy in your life this morning, it starts with this step. Do you believe that he did this for you? Do you accept this? If if you don't know how to answer that question, you don't have to wait another minute. You can go to him right now with that. In fact, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to just pause on our message here and just pray. Because I've been praying all week that someone would come into this place this weekend that needed to accept Jesus as their Savior. God might be speaking to your heart right now. Maybe he's speaking to somebody's heart that's watching online right now. Let's pray. Lord, you know all hearts, you know all thoughts. My prayer right now is that whoever in this room needs to accept you as their Savior, that you just speak right now to their heart. Unfold all the barriers, tear them all away, place them to the side, and help them to realize what you did for them. 
For those of us that have accepted Christ as our Savior, I pray that we find new joy in that this morning, that we are refreshed daily in that thought of what you did. Help us to be reminded continuously of your blood that was spilled on the cross for us. We may have accepted this five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. It doesn't matter. Every day it should be renewed, the joy of the cross. So I pray that as I continue in this message, that you just bring that to our hearts this morning. You refresh us. You renew us. Whatever burdens are on our hearts this morning, you toss them aside, and you bring us joy this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I played football in high school and college. I referee football now. It's something that I just love. I love being around it. I've experienced a, a lot of success with that. I've experienced a little bit of uh, frustration and defeat as well. But football is one of those sports, if you've ever played it, if you've had a child that's played it, if you've been around it, you know it takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication, a lot of training. You know, I would usually spend at least nine months out of my year just working out in the gym, blood, sweat, tears on the track. Uh, I, I was a person who ran hard enough that I would usually, things would come out, I would vomit. And that's just how I trained. I put my body to the limit. You would go nine months, and then you would go into training camp, and then you pushed yourself to another level that you didn't think your body was capable of. You'd go and watch film, and you'd study, and you'd practice, and you trained. It takes a lot of dedication, a lot of training to be successful in that sport. I remember I had a coach one time that when it came to game time, he would always say, trust your training. Maybe you've had a coach that said that or you've heard that saying, trust your training. You put in the work, you prepared yourself, now trust your training. That's how it should be in our spiritual life. As Christians, we oftentimes lack joy because we haven't trained properly. So I want us to look at Ephesians. There's a good passage in Ephesians 6 that talks about this. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10 talks about how we should prepare for the spiritual battles that lie ahead every day. And if I'm honest with you, this morning, this is where I failed. This is where I struggled over the last year and a half. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take up your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of the truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds and prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Are you training properly for the time that we're living in? Are you training for the spiritual battles that you're going to face every day? 
And if you're not training properly, the enemy is going to win. He's going to keep attacking you, keep feeding you with lies that you will believe if you're not armored up with the truth of the Word of God. If you've not spent time studying the Word of God daily, not just when time allows, this should be your number one priority every day. I'll say my wife is amazing at this. She, she actually, you know, I, I aspire to, to, to get to her level. Every morning, she sets the clock. She's one of those crazy morning people. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, that loves the morning. But she gets up in the morning, and this is my devoted time to me and God. And I'm going to spend time in Scripture. I'm going to spend time praying with him. I'm going to spend time learning and growing. I love that about her. I want to be better at that. But oftentimes in this world, we, we fit it in where we can. We don't prioritize right. We don't train properly. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. We're not just training for ourselves. We're, we're training for eternity. Think about that. If that doesn't give you a lot of joy, I'm not sure what can. We're training for this life, but we're also training for eternity. We're, God's going to use our training in ways that we can't even fathom. We can't even see. We may never know until we get to eternity, until we get to glory with, with God in the kingdom of God. God uses our training to prepare other people in ways that we can't even imagine. It's not always about us. A few weeks ago, I lost someone in my life that was really important to me. He was my first Sunday school teacher. He probably taught me more Bible stories, Jonah and Noah and, and these classic Bible stories. Probably taught me more Bible stories, more information than, than any other person in my life, including my mom. This man's name was Sonny Hassler. He was an amazing man. He's one of those people that you don't realize, you've probably had this experience, you don't realize how much they mean to you until they're gone. And I wish we would probably spend more time in life sharing that with people who, who have made a huge impact on our lives. But sadly, we don't. We wait until they're no longer with us. And as I was reflecting on just this short period of time in my life, just a few years as a child, and the impact that he made on my life, the one word that came to my mind was joy. I remember seeing Sonny's face in my brain and seeing just his smile. I don't ever remember him having an unpleasant disposition. He was just always joyful, always happy. And, and I don't remember as a child him ever making, and maybe I'm sure he did, making a, you know, a, just a profound theological statement, and I was just like, whoa, this guy's brilliant. That's not what I remember about him. I remember his joy. He loved Jesus so much. He loved me so much. And as a child, that was all I needed to know, to believe everything that was in the Word of God because he loved God and he loved me and he wanted to share the gospel with me. That's all I needed to know about him. He believed it with all his heart. He was joyful. Sonny trusted his training. 
He was a faithful follower of Christ. He got up in the morning. He had a personal relationship with God. He spent time in the Word of God. He spent time praying with God and with other believers in the church. And the result of that was joy. Sonny wasn't his real name. That wasn't his actual name. It came from how he lived. It came from his disposition of living a life of joy. Why would anybody, think about this, why would anybody trust us and want to follow Jesus as our personal Savior if we're not living a life of joy? We should look a lot different than the rest of the world that we're living in right now. We should look a lot different from chaos and anger and hatred. We should be living a joyful life. Sonny's life exemplified joy. And that joy can only come from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. At his funeral service, a lot of people shared memories of Sonny, and that was a common theme. And I felt like God was calling me, leading me to to just share my memories of him, a short time of my life. And I remember that I said that Sonny was my shepherd. He was just leading me, a wayward sheep, to the joy of Jesus Christ. I hope someone says that about me at my funeral. Think about just the impact that we can have on our children, on our community, on our non-believing family members if we just embody the joy of Christ to spread joy to the next generation of this church. After we accept the truth of the gospel, after we accept Jesus as our Savior, we have to train. We have to train properly. We have to train hard. And we have to trust our training. And after we've done that, I think the third thing that we really need to focus on, focus on a little bit this morning, we're going to end with it, is rejoicing for who God is. Don't forget who God is and what he did for you, what Jesus did for you on the cross. There's something very amazing, very special about corporate worship. We experienced that this morning already, singing praises to God. I experienced that this week with other pastors at Ocean City. And I think about how incredible it's going to be one day to be in the presence of God. I think about this a lot with with my mom passing away two years ago, and my dad's, you know, just... uh, getting ill and, and just getting older and, and might not be around any longer, but being able to have a new body, completely healed in the presence of God. And, and I just, I imagine it like we, we can't do anything else. We're so excited and so in awe to be in the presence of Jesus Christ that all we do is just spend all day rejoicing and praising his name. How wonderful that's going to be. But why do we have to wait? Why do we have to wait to rejoice? First Chronicles 16, 32 to 34 says, Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. As I sat on that rock and watched the oceans, that verse came to my mind, thinking about that. 
I remember uh, a helicopter, it looked like a military helicopter, was going up the shore. And I'm sitting there, I'm trying to spend some alone time with God, but immediately my attention goes to this helicopter, thinking, what's going on? What's wrong in our world right now that I don't know about? And I look down the shore, and here's some seagulls on the beach, and they don't have a care in the world. They don't have a care in the world. They're just trusting God to take care of their day. It made me think of that verse in Matthew 6.26. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or harvest. They don't store up in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? There's so many things in this world to distract us away from the joy of God. Don't let it. Let's take time to rejoice today. I know it's raining and it's, it's ucky outside, but take joy in what God has created today. Take joy even in the rain. Take time to look at God's beauty in this changing season that we find ourselves in. And if you're like me, try not to think about all those leaves that you got to rake up and blow around this week. But take some time to maybe just rake up a few. Let your kids or your grandkids jump in them. Be a little bit more like that video at the beginning. Jump in it with them. Take some time to look around the leaves that haven't fallen down. I mean, only God can take death on the mountains of central Pennsylvania and use it as this canvas to create the most beautiful scenery that we have. It's amazing to look at the colors. Experience the joy of Christ every day, no matter what's happening that day. Start your day off with rejoicing to God. Thanking God for all of his creation, everything he's done for you. Psalm 34 to 5 says, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Praise him. Rejoice in the Lord. Start your day off with praising God. Praise God throughout the day. Praise God in the evening. Don't be afraid to fall on your knees and just rejoice. Don't be afraid to thank God for all that he's doing in your life. And ask him when you're going through these struggles, what can I learn from this? Instead of being like me and saying, woe is me. God, why are you making these decisions? Don't I know a lot better than you? Like Jonah. Rejoice in what God is doing. God has provided an amazing church family here. God has provided some friends and family in this room that you're so thankful for and so blessed for. God's so good. He's so merciful. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he saved your soul. Literally, saved your soul. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were condemned, and he saved your soul. Christ did that for us. We can rejoice in that. No matter what's going on around us, rejoice in what God is doing in this world. Here's my challenge for you as we begin to close. If you really want to cho choose joy, next week we're going to talk about contentment. Contentment is just being able to sustain joy for a long period of time, right? But if you want to choose joy today, 
It starts with accepting Jesus. If you didn't accept him in that prayer we did earlier, right now, as we close in, in prayer and in song and in rejoicing, ask God to speak to your heart, what you're struggling with right now. Help him to give you discernment and wisdom and learn from what's going on in your life. But it starts with accepting Christ as your Savior. And then when you do that, if you want to take the next step after that to living a Jesus-centered life, bring somebody along with you that's sitting right beside you on this journey to hold you accountable so that you'll train harder, that you'll train for the spiritual battles that we're dealing with right now. Hold each other accountable to joy. I, like, I asked quite a few of you this morning, how, how was your week? And, and you know the response is usually, eh, it's all right. I'm doing okay. Living the dream, right? How about if we respond to that a little differently? And I'm guilty of it too. I want you to hold me accountable as well to joy. I don't want to be without joy. I want to be in the joy of the Lord every day, every minute of the day. So when someone asks you that question, how, how was your week? How was your day? How you doing this morning? Man, I am so blessed. I'm so blessed. God is so good. He gave his son for me. My, my church family is amazing. Maybe you should check out Grace Fellowship Church. This place is awesome. There is family there that loves me, and they want to walk beside me in my struggles. And Jesus is just so good. I know the world's chaotic. Everything around us is nuts. But there's one thing that I can find joy in, and that's Jesus Christ. My day's amazing because I have Christ in my heart. Nothing else matters. I'll get through it. Doing great. My family's great. The joy of the Lord is in my heart. Let's be joyful. God is so good. Hold each other to a high standard of accountability for joy in our lives. As we approach Thanksgiving, think about that. Think about all the things that we have to be thankful for. I don't know about you, but I'm just thankful I live on this land in the United States. There's a lot to be frustrated about here in our culture, but I'm so glad that God chose me to live in this place and not somewhere else. I'm so thankful that God chose me to be a part of this church family. It's not where I grew up, but God brought me here for this purpose, for this reason, to be a family member here in this church. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the teachers that have breathed life into my daughter's life like Sonny Hassler did into mine. Thankful for that. God is good all the time. He's so good. Let's rejoice over that. Let's hold each other accountable to joy in our lives.